I wonder what you'll make of Jesus. I wonder what you make of Jesus as it comes to uh, seeing him on a cross on Good Friday. Here is Jesus, the promised Messiah, the one who is meant to save. In the passage that Jack read out for us, he's mentioned as a king. Behold your king. Behold your leader. Pilate is also mentioned as a leader. Good leaders are hard to come by in this world, aren't they? Uh, We've had six prime ministers in Australia over the last 12 years. Did you know that? Each one gets voted out because they aren't seen to be doing their job well enough by half the population. All over the world, there are bad leaders. Uh, You hear stories uh, found out in social media. Uh, We have a current sex scandal uh, being put in place at the moment. We see politicians putting their own popularity over the health and well-being of others, over their own people. Uh, We even had, uh, just a couple of weeks ago, uh, the American president making jokes in the media after three nine-year-olds and three school administrators were killed in a school shooting. Uh, How many leaders have we seen with selfish motives? How many leaders have we seen uh, found out over and over misusing their power or mishandling their power or creating power imbalances where it shouldn't happen? And it doesn't seem to matter how much we mention it. uh, We know what the right thing to do is and they know what the right thing to do is. And the Bible tells us what the right thing to do is. But situations come up where people are put to the test and we are meant to do the right thing. But leaders often don't do it. We long for good leaders in our world. We long for people who will make right decisions uh, for the good of all people. We long for people to carry out proper justice. And unfortunately, we never find them. Pilate is the same as many other leaders. Uh, Not good enough. A bad leader. What does Pilate make of Jesus? Well, uh, in our text today and just before it, the Jewish leaders bring Jesus before Pilate. And when Pilate asks what Jesus has done wrong, uh, we see his response, uh, the response of the Jewish leaders in chapter 18, verse 30. Here's what they say. If this man were not doing evil, we would not have delivered him over to you. So what has Jesus done wrong? Nothing. They're basically saying, Pilate, uh, you want to know what Jesus did wrong? We wouldn't be bringing him to you if he wasn't guilty. Just trust us. What did Jesus do wrong? Pilate, we brought him to you. But what did he do? Come on, Pilate, you know us. We wouldn't waste your time with someone who was guilty, who wasn't guilty. Implication of guilt doesn't mean you're guilty, does it? So what has Jesus actually done here? The Jewish leaders uh, point out he claimed to be the king of the Jews. And therefore he makes himself an opponent of Caesar. He claims to be the son of God. That's blasphemy. Does that make Jesus an opponent of Caesar? Does that make Jesus a blasphemer? What proof do the leaders have that these things aren't true of Jesus? So is Jesus guilty? Have a look at this fascinating conclusion from Pilate. John chapter 18, verse 38. 
Pilate went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in Jesus. John 19.4, Pilate went out again and said to them, See, I'm bringing him out to you that you may know I find no guilt in Jesus. John 19.6, when the chief priests and the officers saw him, they cried out, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him. I find no guilt in him. John 19, 10 to 12. So Pilate said to Jesus, you will not speak to me? Do you not know I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? Jesus answered him, you would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given you from above. Therefore, he who delivered me over to you has the greater sin. From then on, Pilate sought to release him. John 19, 14 to 16. Now text today, Pilate said to the Jews, behold your king. They cried out, away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, shall I crucify your king? And the chief priest answered, we have no king but Caesar. So Pilate delivered Jesus over to them to be crucified. Over and over and over again, Pilate could have changed the script. I find no guilt in him. I find no guilt in him. Take him yourselves and crucify him. I find no guilt in him. Pilate uh, sought to release him. Shall I crucify your king? Pilate knows that Jesus is innocent, not guilty. He doesn't want Jesus' blood on his hands. So if Jesus is innocent, does this make Jesus powerless? It certainly seems like Jesus has no power In this situation. After all, Pilate seems to be running the show, doesn't he? The Jewish authorities seem to be running the show. They're pushing and pressing. But is Jesus powerless? Powerless? No, he's not. He's not powerless. He's just silent. He's not stopping where this is headed. He's not defending himself when he could. He has a mission to do. Even when Pilate gave Jesus an out. I have the authority to free you, Pilate said. But Jesus stays silent. Why would an innocent man not fight? Why would an innocent man not fight against these accusations and actually go willingly to the cross? Is he powerless? No. He is in complete control of where he's going. And he goes willingly to the cross. The cross, the place uh, where the Son of God has the greatest trauma and the highest honour. The cross, the place where God saves. What's the cost of salvation? It's the death of God's Son, His only Son. What sort of king and leader lets himself die on a cross? What what kind of king does this? And he receives no special treatment for being a king. Jesus, the powerful preacher, the friend of sinners, the miracle worker, put on a cross between criminals. Guilty? No. Powerless? No. Behold your king. We read in verse 19 
that a sign was put above his head, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. And still the Jews weren't happy with that. They say to Pilate, why did you write King of the Jews? Instead, you should say, uh, this man said he was the King of the Jews. God forbid that anyone looking on would think that Jesus was actually who he claimed to be. Behold your king. Verses 23 and 24 show that Jesus was in agony on the cross. But here are the soldiers, not worried about that, but gambling over his clothes. And look at verse 28. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. Isn't that incredible? Knowing that it was finished, he said that. How profound that even as Jesus is on the cross, he is still in charge. He knew that all was finished. He knew that to fulfill the scriptures, he had to say, I thirst. Jesus ruling and reigning even on the cross at his death. Behold your king. And finally, in verse 30, it is finished. Jesus bows his head and gives up his spirit. It is finished. What is finished? What is finished when Jesus breathes his last? What is actually accomplished in Jesus' final breath? If you're an onlooker, The only thing that's finished is Jesus' life. The final defeat. The one who said he was king has finally come to an end. But for Jesus, the finish is not final defeat. It is a sign of triumph. At the beginning of John's gospel, uh, if if you look back at John chapter 1 verse 29, Jesus interacts with John the Baptist. And as John the Baptist sees Jesus coming towards him, this is what he says. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Anyone who would have heard that interaction would be thinking straight back to the Old Testament, to Old Testament law. A lamb would have been offered in the place of a guilty person. The lamb uh, died for that person. The lamb covered that sin. An innocent, blameless, spotless lamb. Here is Jesus, the innocent, blameless, spotless lamb, dying for the sin of the world. The lamb once offered for all time that God provided for our sin. What's the cost of salvation? The death of God's only son. When Jesus says it's finished, he declares, my work as a lamb is done. I've dealt with the sin of the world. I'm innocent, powerful and the lamb who is the true king. The king who loves so much that he would willingly go to a cross in complete control to lay down his own life for his sheep. The innocent one who would die for the guilty, the death of Jesus is where we find salvation. It's where we find that Jesus loves, that he looks after, that he redeems, that he restores, that he rescues his children. In the moment of his greatest pain, Jesus completes the greatest redemption. What do you make of Jesus? When you see the final moments of his life, when you see him willingly go to a cross, guiltless,
but powerful. As he bears the sin and weight of the world on his shoulders, what do you make of Jesus? It's remarkable, isn't it? It is remarkable. Because of what he does on the cross, we don't have to hold our sin. He does. The things of which I'm guilty of are no longer mine, but his. The things that you are guilty of are no longer yours, but his. Trying to get ahead in the world will never solve your problem of sin. It doesn't matter anymore. Trying to save yourself will never work. The burden can only be taken from the one who is in complete control on the cross. That is cause for Good Friday, isn't it? That is why we don't mourn the death of Jesus today. It's called Good Friday because we celebrate the king who is in complete control. Sin is broken and Jesus saves. Guiltless and powerful Jesus becomes the lamb who takes the sin of the world. That is cause for hallelujah. What a saviour. The one who lays down his life is worthy of every praise, of every service, of every person's trust, and is worthy of having your life. Jesus is the only leader that you'll ever find worth following. Behold your King.